Okay, good evening. We begin Parsha's Noso today. Noso is usually the Parsha after Shavuos. So we'll have to find out what are some of the lessons for after Shavuos. And bearing in mind that we are now one week separate from those near Yisrael because Shavuos was only one day in Israel on Friday. So Shabbos was not Yom Tov. They read Parshas Noso then. For us, second day of Yom Tov was Shabbos, so Parshas Noso is this week. So we're off until Matos Masse, I believe. That's when we uh, catch up. Okay, so we're going to study uh, one of the topics in Parshas Noso really began at the end of Parshas Bamidbor. And we talk about the, the work of the Levim. And the Levites were counted separately, and they each had each each family had different jobs. So we're going to look uh, a little bit in the beginning. So I'm going to analyze some of the text and see all kinds of issues in the text. When we were counting the twelve tribes, it seems pretty much the same format over and over and over. But here you'll notice some slight nuances. Now. First, we'll start with the first source was the end of Parshas B'midbor. The end of Parshas B'midbor. Now, just to be clear, there were three families for the the, uh, tribe of Levi. And we can jump to source seven for a minute. As it says in B'midbor, These are the sons of Levi. This is their names. Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. And then they list the names of, uh, of all the children. Gershon had two sons, Livni and Shimi. Kaas had four sons, Amram, Yitzor, Hebron, and Uziel. And Merori had two sons, Machli and Mushi. Okay, so those were the eight uh, grandsons of Levi. Okay, bearing in mind that the eldest is Gershon, the middle is Kahas. And the youngest is Marori. So, as we begin counting the families of Levi, as we now go back to source one, the Torah says, Naso es rosh kahos. Literally, literally it means lift the heads of the children of Kahas, but it means take account of the family of Kahas, mitoch b'nei Levi, from amongst the house of children of Levi, lemish b'chosam l'veisavosam, by their families according to their ancestral house. And then it tells us what their job is. Kahas, their job was to carry the holy items of the Mishkan, which was the Aron, the Menorah, the Shulchan, the various Mizbechos, and the utensils. Those were the objects that we used to serve Hashem with. And that went to the family of Kahas. The second source is the beginning of this week's Parsha. The very second Pasuk. The beginning of this Parsha is, and that's why the name of the Parsha, Noso es Rosh B'nei Gershon. Count the children of Gershon. Gamheim, also them. By their ancestral homes and by their families. And what was the job of Gershon? They were given the job of carrying the coverings and the curtains of the Mishkan. And then finally, we're told about B'nai Merori, the children of Merori, according to their families, by their household, uh, by their households, some count them. Okay, so you've noticed I've done a lot of color coding here to highlight certain issues over here. So let's see some of the differences that you can notice between the three families. Each one has something unique. Uh, But let's start with the first. The first one with Kahas seems to have everything we want. Nasawas Rosh B'nai Kahas, count the family of Kahas. By their families according to their households. Okay. So now, when we go to Gershon, 
we have two words that are extra. And what are the extra words? Gam heim. Also them. Now, obviously, if you're counting the B'nai Kohas already, and now you're counting the B'nai Gershon, it's obvious it's Gam heim. Also them. I mean, because they're the second one you're counting. So it's also them. So why do we have to say the words also them? Okay. And instead of saying, as before, Lamish Bachosam, Lavesavosam, it reverses it. Lavesavosam, Lamish Bachosam. It reverses that. Okay. Now let's look at the third source. What's very missing in this Pasuk? It's very obvious. Compare the third source to the first two. Right away you see a difference. Immediately. If you're reading more than one word, you're reading too much. Family. What? Just count the family. All the children. How does how does the first source start with what word? The first word. No so. The second source starts with. The third one. Nothing. So means count. It's just bnei marori. What happened to no so as rosh bnei marori? We said it. Twice already. Once for for Kahas, once for Gershon. Noso Esrosh B'nai Kahas. So what, Marari? Something wrong with them. <laughs> okay, good. Something's wrong yeah. with them. So we're not going to count them? We're counting them, we're counting less them, less less them but not probably. with excitement, like you count the probably first. Probably less book. important. We're counting because they are Levim, but they did something not good. But it says there's a difference here. You show It's telling us the future. There's something well, about Masrilotov. Okay, so, like the music so, so good. So they, it's, if you look at the end of the Pasuk, sorcery, it says Tifkodo Sam, which is to count them. No. But instead Visit of Naso, Naso es Rosh, lift up the head, means to count. Yeah. It says it twice by Kahas and Gershon, but doesn't say by Marari, it just says count them. So what, what, why are these differences here? And you notice by the first one, Kahas, and by Marari, it says, by their families according to their households. While by Gershon it's reversed. So there's a total lack of consistency in all these three countings here. The first two have the words Naso and the third one doesn't. The first and the third have while the middle one is switched around the order. And finally by B'nai Merari it doesn't even say Naso at all. So the Torah's got to have a reason for all these things. It's something connected with Megillat Esbrut. No? Sorry. It's No, no, no. No, not the same name. Not the same. One is Machlon and one is Machli. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Anyway, so then they get to the actual countings in sources 4, 5, and 6. They're pretty much the same except for one change. Look what it says. This is the count of the family of Kahas. All who are working in the tent of meeting. Which Moshe are counted. Through Hashem, at the command of Hashem, through Moses. And the sixth source, exactly the same for B'nai Merari. Alpi Hashem biyad Moshe through Moshe, but by Gershon, what does it say? Alpi Hashem and not biyad Moshe. So we got a lot of differences here, and obviously there must be a reason for this. So let's share with you a few ideas over here. Now the first question we have to ask: Wait a minute, who is the bechor of these three? Gershon. Gershon is the Bechor. Bechor usually is first. Why is Gershon not first? 
So what will be the simple answer? What's the job? What are the jobs? Let, let's flip the question. Of the three jobs, which is the most prestigious? Carrying the utensils of the temple, carrying the coverings, or carrying the boards and the walls and the pillars and sockets? What? The third one, the pillars and the, and the sockets. I think so, the utensils. The utensils, the aron, the ark. Yeah. The whole Kedusha. The whole Kedusha comes from the utensils. All the blessings come from the utensils. So who has that job? Kahas, not the eldest. So the question is why? So the Medrash discusses a very interesting idea. It quotes a Pasuk about telling us how beautiful Torah is. And it, it was an earlier teaching, but it says, Yekara, it's not, I didn't do the whole thing in English, but the first line in the Medrash in Source 8 is, Yekara himitnimin, it's more precious than pearls. Torah is more precious than pearls. Medaber bekos vegershon, it's speaking about the families of Gahas and Gershon. Afapisha gershon bechor, even though gershon was the firstborn, we always find everywhere the honor goes to the firstborn. But since but since Kahas was carrying the ark, Shisham HaTorah, that's the doors inside, they preceded Kahas to Gershon. As it says, in the beginning, it says, first count, the children of Kahas. And afterwards says, count the children of Gershom. Ah, so we see that Torah is more precious than pinimim, than pearls, uh, which could be mibuchor, hinting to a greater than a firstborn that comes out first, ve'en pinimim eletchila, and pinimim means beginnings. Okay. So what's the mentors saying? Well, they're trying to connect it to this idea of Torah being more precious than pearls. Okay. And it's saying, why is Kahas mentioned first? You should be the Bahor. It's because Kahas was carrying the ark. Okay, that only begs the question. And what's the question? Why wasn't Gershon carrying it first? Why not Kahas? And that's a very uh, big question. So let's take a look in the Clay Yokor, in source number nine, who asks all these questions that we've been asking so far in Tay's class. And I said, should be right at the bottom. Is that the bottom? Right? It's going to flip over. I'm sorry, there's no English. I can't have English on everything. It's too hard for me to find. But this is the lesson he wanted to teach them. And the lesson was, you look by the underlines, he says, to teach people a lesson. We have to give honor to those who are those who, who teach, learn and teach Torah, and to call them holiness and to be first in everything with Kedusha. Just like Kahas was mentioned first. Because he's carrying the words of Hashem were with him. Now, here's the point. So obviously, we're giving Kahas honor because he's first. Now, here's the point. If the Aaron was given to Gershon, who's the firstborn, I would think because he's the Bechor, he's counted first. And I wouldn't say it's because they're so important because they're carrying the Aaron. In other words, they're saying, well, listen, he's first and he gets to carry the Aaron. That's what you'd assume it is because he's the oldest. Therefore, they gave over the Ark to Kahas, Umana Trila, and they listed him first. And they will know to give honor to Torah and those who learn it. In other words, they are saying, Kahas gets this 
because he was much greater in his Limud HaTorah. Kahas, although was, and the children as well, because we know who comes from Kahas, it's uh, Moshe eventually is a descendant of Kahas. So Kahas is the greatest ones in learning Torah. And since they were the ones, not to say that Gershon and Merari didn't learn Torah, they also learned Torah. But Kahas's family excelled in learning Torah. And therefore, we're putting Kahas first because he deserves to be first. He deserves to carry the Torah. And that's why it says that Torah is greater than pearls. What does it mean, pearls? So we know, if you look briefly in source number 10 before we finish this piece, the Rambam says in the laws of Talmud Torah that there are three crowns with the Jewish people. The crown of priesthood, the crown of kingship, and the crown of Torah. The crown of priesthood belongs to the descendants of Aaron. The crown of kingship is only to the family of King David. The crown of Torah is available to everyone. Therefore, when we talk about the Torah is more precious than pearls, the word pininim, pininim, is a very interesting word. It means pearls, but it can also from the word panim, panimi, which is inner, and like pininim, double inner, inner, inner. So what does inner, inner mean? It means that the learning of Torah is greater than the coin Godel who goes to the inner, inner holiest of holies on Yom Kippur. The study of Torah is greater than the coin Godel doing the Avoda on Yom Kippur. Now, who else has jewels and pearls? A king. And we're saying someone who learns Torah is greater than the king. Now, as great as a coin Godel is, but that's an exclusive domain of the priestly class. And they are able to enter the most inner holy sanctum. Kingship is reserved for the family of David. And those are very, very important tasks. And you might think it's the most important task. However, this Medrash is telling us through this Pasuk that Kahas goes first. And why are they going first? Because they are carrying the crown of Torah. They are carrying the ark. And they're carrying the ark. And why are they carrying the ark? They're not even the oldest. But the point is, because they were the standard bearers of Torah. They gave of themselves much more than the rest of the tribes. Remember, in Egypt, only the tribe of Levi did not work. And the tribe of Levi got to study Torah. And of that tribe, Kahas was the greatest ones in the studying of Torah. And therefore, they were, they were given the privilege of being counted first together with the ark because of their greatness in Torah. And the Torah wants to highlight this. So now, if you go to the second page, by that bullet point before number 10, now the Kleyakar says, now let's go. So, so that, is, first of all, explains why the order is different. And that's what the Medrash is saying. That how do we see this idea that learning Torah is more precious than pearls? Because Kahas, which excelled the most in learning Torah, was the first one carrying the ark. Now, you might have thought that, well, that's what the Medrash is saying. That's what we're saying. But you might have been misled and say, well, no, maybe they're just, maybe they counted, maybe they carried it, but, uh, and they're mentioned first because, you know, because the ark is the most important thing. But maybe when it's going to get time to really counting, maybe they'll be counted later. Maybe Kahus is just lucky. So therefore, the Kliyokar in the second, that bullet point on page two, go, what is the word Gamhain? What does it mean, Gamhain? So he says, those two letters, it's solidifying everything that we're talking about. And he said, had the Pasuk not said Gamhain, it could be very well that even though he's telling them who to count, but maybe at the end of the day, Gershon might be counted first. Why? Because really the main thing is the ark. And the ark, therefore you want to mention the ark first. You're going to count the ones who carry the ark. We mention it first, but we might not actually count them first. 
Because you find also when God tells us about building the Mishkan, it tells us first about the Ark and then about the Kalim. And then when it comes to actual building, it gets reversed. So we're not exactly sure. Maybe it's, maybe it's not going to be first. Maybe they're going to be counted second. But when it says, Gam Haim, also them, then it's clear that the Bnei Gershon are being counted second. In other words, sometimes you may list what you're going to do, but then when you actually do it, you reverse what you do. He's saying, no, no, it's exactly the way we said it. That we're first going to count Gahas and Marari Gam Haim, also them, to leave no doubt in our mind who's first and who's second. And why? Because Kahas is first, not just because they're carrying the Torah, but they're first because they learned the most Torah, and that's why they're carrying the Torah. And now we understand that even though they're not the eldest, but an honor is given to the eldest generally, but if you conduct yourself to have a life dedicated to Torah, the greater your dedication to Torah is, the greater your level, and therefore you are put first. So it's very nice to understand now why Parsha's Nosso comes after Shavuos. In other words, when we want to dream of our future, especially men or women who wish to support men, you could say, well, I don't know, Torah is, is really for just very special people. A Kohen is very special, a king is very special, but a regular guy, like, what future do I have in Torah? And the point is, after Hashem gave us the Torah at Sinai, it's open to everybody. And it doesn't matter who you are, you can excel and be the greatest leader when it comes to Torah. Or at least being able to advance your knowledge of Torah more than others. And that's an important message after Shavuos. Because after Shavuos, you say, okay, Shavuos was a one-off. Now I go back to, I'm not, I don't have time for Torah and I, I'm never going to amount to much and all this. So the Torah is giving you a graphic example that the Parsha before Matan Torah, we proceeded to have Kahas mentioned first, and the Parsha afterwards we put Gershom second, and we make it clear that Gershom is second even when it comes to the counting, and why is Kahas first? Because he's carrying the Torah, because it's, it's more than just that he's carrying the Torah, but he deserves to carry the Torah because he carries the Torah in himself. Why does he get the honor to carry the Ark? Because he carries Torah in himself. And therefore he carries the Ark, so to speak. And therefore we shouldn't think that we're not capable of greatness in Torah. Point number one. But then you gotta ask yourself a question, but wait a minute. How can you say that the person studying Torah is greater than the coin? The Kohen goes into the innermost sanctum, a place that nobody else can go. So how can you say that a person who dedicates his life to Torah is greater than the Kohen Gadol? Can, can, can a Talmud Chacham go into the holiest of holies? No. no. So how can the Medrash say this fact? Because so Kohen Gadol has been chosen by Hashem. Yes. And to be Tarmitoa, you're not chosen by Hashem. It's the free will of yourself. True, true. But still, you don't get to go to the holies of holies. You go in a different way. Uh, in a different way. Yeah, what's, but what's, you go. What's, you go what's the, the different way? P'ninim, 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 so let's p'ninim. take a look at the Sfas Embassy. I don't know why, why Esther thinks she's a Sephardi. She's really Hasidish. <laughs> she's Hasidish. Because she's you saying do. the idea of the Svasem is the Ger Rebbe. Because, right, if it's more precious, just drop the middle one, please. If it's more precious, why can't he come in? So the Svasem explains that's the question he asked by the underline. So you have to remember there's two ways of relating to Hashem one is like an Eved, one is like a servant, and one is like a child. Okay, so a, a, a servant, those things are, are decided in advance, right? And, uh, and depending on the type of work, that's how important the person is, okay? And the coin Godel did avodah, he did the service. And as Esther said, that's your destiny. And, and, you, and you're doing that service. And therefore, 
they they do the avoda and the, the service elevates the person but with a child wherever a child is he's the son of the king even if he's far away the servant is only important when he's doing the service if you're if you're the chief of staff what makes you important because you have the job chief of staff you're the secretary of defense what makes you important you're the secretary of defense what happens when there's a new president you're ice secretary of defense no longer chief of staff you don't have the job the job is what makes you important so as the coin if you got the job you're important obviously you have to be a qualified person we're not saying you can't not qualified we're not minimizing the qualification of a coin goddle but what brings out the greatness of the Kohen Godel is where he's at. So when is the Kohen Godel in the innermost sanctum? When he's in the innermost sanctum. And that's when he is doing service and he is of service. But someone who studies Torah is like a child of the king. And a child of the king is a child wherever he is. And therefore... The Torah, the, and because when you're studying Torah, your mom is studying the essence of Hashem. How do we know that you go into the holiest of holies in Yom Kippur? How do we know that? It says in the Torah. Okay, good. So it says in the Torah. How about if you are bonding with the Torah? When you're studying Torah, it's not just a question of learning information. You're connecting with the Torah. And now that you're becoming a child of Hashem, so therefore, you don't have to go to the Holy Holies because you have that which creates the Holy Holies. And that's the, the tremendous advantage of this. And therefore, that's what the Medrash is hinting to and saying, it's more precious than pearls. It is. It's more precious. You don't have to go into a Holy Holies. When a person is very much connected to Torah and they're living a life of Torah in such a way, you are in the holiest of holies. Or like as I said in uh, at Shalashudas, that people look for segulot. They look for charms. The red thread and this and that. But Hashem told the Jews before they're going to get the Torah, you will be for me a segula. Meaning every Jew is a segula. So just being a Jew is being a segula. What do you have to look for a segula for? So Talmud Chacham, he, he's learning Torah. He already is in the deepest part. He's in the deepest recesses of Hashem's mind. So what do you have to go into a physical place of the holies of holies? Now, now we're not saying a, Tal- a, a coin goal doesn't have to be a scholar, but even if he's not a scholar, he could be a coin goal. Doesn't have to be a scholar. He has to have purity and other aspects so he can enter into that area. And there are certain people, yes, there are certain very important jobs that make you important. If you are the king, you are by definition important. And if you are the Kohen Gadol, by definition you're important because the job makes you important. When you're studying Torah, you are now reflecting being the child of Hashem and that makes you important wherever you are, even if you have no job at all. So this becomes a very major message for us to understand after Shavuos. And that's how we're seeing from over here how Gershon, although he was a wonderful person, but Kahas applied themselves more to Torah, and therefore they got to carry the Ark and everything that goes with that. Now, the only question is, Torah still has to teach us a little bit of Derech Eretz. And you got to figure, how do you think Gershom felt? Like second fiddle. He was the Bechor. Now, he wasn't a bad guy, just Kahas was better at that. So the Torah now wants to teach us a sensitivity. He's been overlooked. So if he's been overlooked, we have to say, you know, it's not that he's overlooked because he's really bad, but Kahas was better. That's all. You know, the people who can be better than others. But, you know, a lot of people say, you know, like, whoever hears, hears of the, you know, the runner-up let, let's just say it, it, in anything, in, in, in sports, who won the silver medal at the Olympics? 
you don't know who's the runner up in the in a in the in the in an indie five hundred. Mm. Who is the runner up to Miss uh, Universe? You know you, you, the runner. Whoever knows who the runner up is. The runner up is you know second place. You know, not anything. So uh, Gersh is like a nobody. So says the Abarbanel. No, no. If he couldn't be the first for the counting of of the Levites that carried, let him at least be first in Parshas Noso. We start Parshas Noso. It's about who? It's about Gershon. So at least he feels good about it. And more than that, that when they decided to count each other, Hashem took another step. See, Hashem is sensitive. If someone gets usurped from positions they should have, you have to realize there's a tremendous amount of sensitivity we have to have. It's not that, okay, he's the winner and you're the loser. Now there's got to be people who are going to excel more than others. But you got to realize that even the ones who don't excel the most have feelings. And people are going to read every year in the Torah that Gershon's a loser, Gershon's a loser. So we've got to do something to pick up Gershon's sense of esteem. So one thing is he gets to start Parshas Nosso. Who is Parshas Nosso? Nosso is Gershon. And the very first Pasuk is forever, every year, after Shuas, we read about Gershon. Kohas was at the end of last week's Parsha. But more than this, more than this, we talk about the idea of Nosso count them. Now, how are we counting them? So remember, sources four, five, and six was Alpi Hashem Biyad Moshe. What does that mean, Alpi Hashem Biyad Moshe? At the command of Hashem through Moshe. So what did that mean? Moshe had to go and count them and he, he would go in and say, okay, how many of you guys got? When it came to Gershom, it just says, Alpi Hashem. Not Biyad Moshe. Before Moshe had to go in and count them. Okay, let me see. Bring me all your kids. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so many here, so many here. It was Biyad Moshe. Gershom was just Alpi Hashem. Meaning to say, you don't have to go into their house. Just ask, ask them what it is, and they'll tell you. Can I trust them? You can trust them 100%. They may not be the ones carrying the ark, but you don't just ask them, and I you'll be, I believe them. The other ones you have to count. A biyad Moshe has to be biyad Moshe. Moshe has to go in and and physically see each one. As she says, not by Gersh. Kahas and Merari. It says biyad Moshe, biyad Moshe. It's gonna think, oh, Gersh must be really rotten. He got, he lost out. No, you know, and I'll show you he's not. You, you can trust him. Hashem said, you don't, don't count. Just ask him how many in the house and you believe them. It's going to be recorded in the Torah that way. They can be very sincere, sincere people, but they're not scholars as much as the others. So you have to kind of pick them up and boost their self-esteem, which now is another aspect we have to understand in Torah. There's going to be those who excel and those who don't. They'll have Torah, but they're not going to be as great. So you have to find another way to boost them up to show that they're still very valuable people for us. And finally, we have to understand that there was another thing. When they counted them, so the other two, the, the first and the third, it says, Lamish Bechosam, Lebeisavosam. To their Mishpacha, um, that's like the, the greater, bigger, that's like to, by the tribal family, and uh, the tribal families, and then the, the households, which is smaller. So, they, they were counted. The main count was, okay, let's get the big count. Of course, there were family numbers, but they weren't important. Family numbers, we counted five, and this family, five here, five here, and then this clan. But we didn't have to you know, necessarily know how many in each clan, because what, what you want is that full number. And it's Lamish Bechosam Leveisavos. But by Gershon, Hashem says, you know, we're going to flip it. Not only are we going to get the number for the whole tribe, but even though the Torah doesn't record it, I want to know every family, how many in every family, because every family is precious. The other ones, you're counting families to get the big number. Here, I know I'm going to get a big number, but I don't want to know what, I want to know what the smaller numbers are too. Why? Because every family is a precious family to me. So Hashem is doing two things to, to um, mollify, I think that's a good word, the feelings of Gershom, 
because even though they have not been able to reach what they were hoping to get, but they're still very precious in Hashem's eyes. So that's message number one in appreciating the different roles that are there, and we have to understand that yes, some roles may be more important, some people may excel better than others, um, the, the crown of Torah is open to everybody and there will be better people and on the one hand there's no limit as to what a person can achieve but even if you don't achieve as much as others Hashem cares about you no less and is very sensitive to you and therefore you have to understand that when you're talking about in the Torah world generally the respect and honor goes to the greater scholars as it should but what about the self-esteem of the not greater scholars? And you hear all kinds of sad stories of people who try and try and try and they could study for years and years and they're so sure that they're going to get a very prestigious position in the Torah world. And then they find out they don't get it. And uh, some of them uh, suffer greatly from that, to put it mildly. I know, I know stories of people that were studying for years and years. And I think this was one of the uh, uh, subplots in that, uh, what was that shown is about the Hasidim? Shlissel. That one of, the, one of the children was a Torah scholar, but he never got a prominent position. right? And he was thinking maybe going into being a singer. Yeah, because... Because he would study and study, but he never got a, a position. He never got a position. He was qualified, but, you know, sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know, whatever. And there's a lot of people who spend their lives, they don't get a position. And I know, I know stories where they didn't get positions, and they went off the derrick. Completely off the derrick. Unbelievable. Studying for seven, eight, nine years in a culinary just role. And he said, I wasn't going to get anywhere. So he said, you know what, I'll give it all up. That's very sad. Maybe, you know, maybe he didn't, wasn't as qualified. But there has to be a, a system in place that if you don't get the brass ring, you still have chashivus. And that's, a, that's an important task. And you have in a family, you can have certain children who are greater at Torah study, others aren't. And you have to realize and, and emphasize that gam heim, also they are important. Gam heim, I'm counting them. And they may not be, you know, it's what they call the movie with a cast of thousands. You know, there's only a few people that are stars, but without the cast of thousands, the stars can't accomplish much. So therefore we have to appreciate that and let them know how important they are. And the Torah is going out of their way to do that for them. So that's the first broad message. Now, I want to now hopefully get into two more issues over here. <laughs> And we'll start with the Chassam Sofer. Now, I've got it inside here, but I'm not going to read it inside because we're not going to have enough time for this. But it's basically similar questions that he's dealing with. And what he does is he goes and goes back to the names of the three children. Gershon, Kahas, and Merori. And says the Chassam Sofer, Chassam Sofer says that Gershon, Kahas, and Merori reflect three different eras in Jewish history based on what their <coughs> names mean. And what do the names mean? What does the word Kahas mean? What? No, that would be with a Chaf. This is a Kuf. Kuf is... Ah, very good. Wow, Esther, you're on the ball today. No, every day. Source 15. Source 15. When, I, when ya, Yaakov blesses Yehuda, that should be page 3. The scepter shall not depart from Yehuda, nor the student of the law from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. Now in the Hebrew, Velo, and to him, Yikas. Amin. See the red over there? And to him will be a gathering of peoples. So kahas, one of the meanings is a <coughs> gathering. Okay. What does gershon mean? Well, ger is a stranger. That's the beginning of it. Divorce. But gershon is the biblical, gersh is to drive away. 
in in the in Talmudic law we call it a gerushin, a divorce. Why? Because that's expulsion. The the Spanish Inquisition was called gerush svarad, the expulsion. So gerushin means expelled. And Marari, obviously, we know that one. Mar is bitter. So what these three tribes are hinting to is when these senses were taken, that there are three phases in the Jewish in the story of the Jewish people. And therefore, let's start with the first one. The first to be counted are the ones that carry the holy vessels of the Mishkan, and that was Kahas. So what does Kahas mean? Gathering. So what does that mean? It represents the Jewish people in their most idealized state, unified, gathered in their own homeland, <coughs> integrated, linked by a, share, a shared uh, ge- uh, geography, a shared spiritual identity. Kahas symbolized time where there was unity and strength. The people were all together in the Holy Land in the epicenter of the world, which was the Holy Temple in Yerushalayim. And the rest of the world came together with us as well. Now, if you look at the names of their children, says the Chassam Sofer of Kahas. Look at the Hebrew words. Amram. What does Amram mean? Not Avraham. No, no, no. Am. Ram. Am is a nation. Ram, exalted. Right. Exalted nation. That's when you're at the center. Yes. Yitzhar means shining light. Hevron, from the word chaver, means cohesion. Uziel is the, my confidence from Hashem. These are all very positive names. These are names that reflect a, a, a nation in its greatest fault. It's, it's oh, exalted, it's name. shining, it's cohesive. We have strength from Hashem. It was a great stage in Jewish history. So therefore, when the census and mission of Kahas is introduced in the Torah, it's not surprising that such word Naso, lift up, because it's used for the elevated state of the people. Because the state that was in causes them to be lifted up. Mm-hmm. Beautiful face. And that's, the first, and that's why it's going out of order. Uh, it's on a different level. Everything we said till now was true, but remember, there's different layers of Torah, different messages. So we're now saying, well, well Kahas is the first stage of the Jewish people. But then came phase two. That uh, phase two is the second family, Gershom, which means expulsion. So Gershom symbolizes the era when the Jews are banished from their homeland, separated from God's home, the destruction of the temple. It all happened, why? Because there was a lack of chaos. There's a lack of unification. And we were estranged from our moral and spiritual mission. And if you think about this, it's very hard. You have to put yourself in their shoes. Remember the Jews at that time, they had lived in the Holy Land for nearly 900 years. And they were an untouchable nation. It was a miraculous people. Okay? And the fact that we lived in Israel screamed out the fact that we are God's people. 900 years a long time. It's a long, long time to be such a bold and impressive Amsegula. All of a sudden comes the Babylonian conquest. They didn't only lose their land and their sovereignty, but when they lost the Beis Hamidosh, they lost all hope. Because they're all hope laid in Hashem. And how could they turn to Hashem if the very place where they served him was in ruins? There was no temple anymore. So how are the Jews going to stay Jewish? And the truth is, a lot of them did assimilate during the seven years, but still was enough who survived. So how did that happen? So look at the next source from Yecheskel over there. Which number is that? 16. 16. Yecheskel talks about a very subtle 
reference. And what does he say? He says in 16, Lachain Amar, Komar Hashem Lukim. This is what Hashem says. Ki hirchakti bagoyim. Although I sent them away amongst the nations, I scattered them about, but still, and I've become to them for a small sanctuary in the countries where they have gone. And what did the rabbis learn from that? What does that mean? What does it mean I became a small sanctuary for them? What is? What do we know? No, the, the Beit HaKnesset. They devised an idea, there was no such thing before, of making a shul. The Beit HaKnesset. Be- because of the expulsion that they had, they had to do something in order to uh, stem the tide of falling apart. So if you don't have a Beit HaMikdash, you make one that's a Mikdash Ma'at. And the idea of the shul now comes to bear for the first time. And that's as it says in Tehillim, uh, uh, the, the same idea where it says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee free from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. What Dovna Melch is saying, you know, even though we don't have a Beis Amigdash, we are still there. Hashem is everywhere and doesn't have to be only in a shul. It could be in other places. And there's other sources that talk about this idea, and we're not going to go through all the sources over here, but it's clearly saying that during this phase two, the shul became one of the great icons for the Jewish people. And when they, and the other source we have of, uh, of Al-Nahara's Bavel, that when the Jews were by the rivers of Bavel and they sat there weeping and trying to remember Zion, and then the end says, If I forget Yerushalayim, I'm going to forget my right hand. And what? And my tongue should cling to my pelvis. If I don't remember you, if I do not bring up Yerushalayim at the beginning of my joy. What does that mean? It meant for those Jews, three times a day, they gathered to pray. And it says specifically in the book of Daniel, he prayed towards Yerushalayim. So the way they were able to hang on was that they developed a new way of, uh, uh, not, I don't want to say a new way, so but, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, Substitute, whatever. There's a, a creative way of being able to accomplish what they did in the base of Mikdash, although in a Mikdash Ma'at. And that's why in Malachi it says over there, it says, for from the rising of the sun until its setting, my name is great amongst the nations, and everywhere offerings are burnt and offered up to my name. Now that's funny. Since when can you bring, you're only allowed to bring offerings in the Beis Hamidash? What do you mean we're bringing them everywhere else? So the Talmud learns from that and said, guess what? Even though we may not have had a Beis Hamidash, and we haven't a place to bring, but if you study the laws of the korbanot, it's like you brought the korbanos. So therefore, we the rabbis came up with two incredible ideas. One was to create a shul, and that's a place where we connect. And another one is the idea of reading Torah about the korbanos, about the Beis Hamikdash, and that's as if you brought it. And that is how we're able to hang on. So therefore, the second epoch is crystallized in the words take a census of the sons of Gershon because they too are also them following their father's houses according to their families because Naso means well that even lift up Gershon as well even in the state of exile if it's properly contended with, it becomes a link to Torah tradition. And the Gershonites can also be lifted up with the avoda that they have. Now remember, Kahas, their avoda was all the tools of the Beis Amigdosh. That was an amazing thing. What was it that the Gershonites had? Covers. So it's symbolizing that what? We may not have the tools of the Beis Amigdosh, we can cover ourselves in a shul. 
and hide in a shul, so to speak. Okay? And who were the sons of Gershon? Livni and Shimi. What does that mean? That reflects their struggle. Livni from the word Lavan means to become cleansed and whitened, and Shimi means to listen. So what we were being told is that even if we're going to be Gershon and we're going to be cast away, and we don't have a base on Migdash, we don't have offerings to cleanse ourselves, but we can still have Shimi if we're attuned to the, 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 the small base on Migdash and to hear the message of the Torah that comes with the it. Seven so this is how even in the second epoch it could be lifted up. But we also know there's a third epoch of history. And that's the Marori epoch. Marori means bitterness. Marori's children are Machli and Mushi. Machli comes from the word Machala, sickness. Mushi means to be removed. That represents when the Jews are on the lowest level not only banished from their homeland, but hunted down. Merari represents the darkest periods in Jewish history, known as the Dor Hashmat, the generation where they're trying to just destroy us completely. It started from Paro, Antiochus, the Roman persecutions, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, the massacres, the pogroms, the Soviet oppression, the Holocaust, the Islamic terrorists, Merari symbolizes the bitterest, most painful moments in our story. Now, very fascinating. Machli umushi. When it comes to Merari, what word is not put in the beginning? Noso. Why not noso? Why do we not lift them up to the link with their patriarchs? Says the Chsam Sofer. They don't need to be lifted up. They are infinitely higher than their forefathers. By living through this and still being loyal Jews, they don't need to be lifted up because you can't reach any higher than where they are. As the Talmud says in the next source over there, when it mentions in source number 21, it says, Haruge Malchus, those that are king, killed by the king, nobody can be in their place. They are the highest of the highest. And the Gomorrah is saying, well, who is that? Maybe it's Rabbi Akiva and his friends. He says, well, would that only make them killed by the kings and not more? I mean, they were great scholars. No, it's talking about the Haruge Lut, the martyrs of Lod. And what's that referring to? An interesting story. There was a, a king's daughter was killed. And the king said, if we don't find out who the killer is, I'm going to kill all the Jews in Lod. Wow. Now, obviously, we don't know who it was. It could have been non-Jews. So came two fellows, Puffus and Lulianus. And they confessed to the crime that they did not do. Now, they were not known for being exceptionally pious people. But the Talmud says, they are the Haruge Malchus. They died in the honor of, honor of Hashem. And nobody can stand in their place for being Haruge Malchus. So therefore, when we're talking about a first generation, Naso and lift up the heads of Kahas. Okay, yes, we can lift them up because of what they're doing and we got unity and everything is high. It's amazing and Hashem will lift them up. And, and, and Gershon, even though they're struggling, but they're doing all kinds of things to, to keep us going and Hashem lifts them up. When we're talking about Merari, they don't need to be lifted up. By definition, they are lifted up. If a Jew goes through this period of time and is able to remain a Jew, you can't get any higher. And that, that's that idea of being the Segula. Yeah. You, you are Mamish the Segula. Unbelievable. But now we're going to take it one step further and look into some other... So this is, the, the, really the Chassam Sofer is also Hasidish. We're looking to some other Hasidish form. Now we're going to look at it one other level. So, so far we've learned the fact that the message of the three tribes is that Torah is open to everybody. And B, even if you're not a big success in Hashem's eyes, He cares about you too. Now we see there's three eras of Jewish history. But now we can go within individuals and within three different types of 
of personalities. And we're going to use the same names, as we said, for Kahas, Gershon, and Marori. But we're just going to use the same translation, but instead of applying it to a nation, we'll apply it to individuals. And that can be three different psychological states of a person. Okay? And we're going to show that each one can be a porter for a spiritual mishkan. Because remember, the mishkan really reflected what's in our hearts. Remember, Hashem said, build a mishkan and I will dwell in them. So really, we're all a mishkan. and We all have to, so to speak, carry ourselves. So let's forget about a national history, which was amazing, a good understanding. And therefore, when we talk about the people who were murdered in the Holocaust, or those who survived and were Holocaust survivors, so they stand on their own. They don't need to be stood up. They already stand on their own. But now let's talk about individuals. So kahas, we said, is unity. So we can just shift it a little bit and use the word harmony, which means a human being who can integrate all the different facets of his personality into a cohesive, harmonious whole. He's able to take all his mitos from the spheros of chesed through malchus, and he's able to take them off. You recall what we mentioned many times in the past that uh, the world was created for Torah, Avodah, Gemilus, Chasod. And the various utensils represent that. And we said how the, uh, the Ark is the written law, how the menorah is the oral law, how the Shulchan is Gemilus, Chasod, how the outer uh, altar is, uh, is service to God that you can see, and the inner altar is service to God in your heart. If a person can take all those things and make it harmonious, that is like Gavaltic. That's Kahas. Your mom is you're burning on all cylinders, you're doing everything the way it should be. It's an amazing thing. And you're very and you live an uplifted life. On the other hand, we have Gershom, which we said which means to expel. So what kind of Jew can that be? We have Jews who constantly need to expel their Yetzirah. They haven't harmonized everything. And as much as you want to do mitzvahs, you're thinking about other things. You're doubting Shon Esrei, all these crazy ideas come into your mind. Me. Right? And, 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 you, and you don't feel harmonious. Right? Uh, the kahas, this shoot like seamlessly flows from one activity to the next. It's all close to Hashem. It's if I'm not learning Torah, then it's Avoda, then it's Gamilas Chesed, and all my spheros are amazing, and I'm totally connected to Hashem. And it's like the it's like the ark is lifting me up, and it's it's like perfect. That's great, but there are the people who are the Gershoms who feel that they're driven away from life. And such a person has to protect himself from the Yetzar. It's a big struggle. And again, that's the curtains. He has to protect himself from the Yetzar that's constantly trying to take him down. And that's the Gershon Jew. But he has a way of succeeding too. But now we got the Merari Jew. Merari is bitterness, that's true. But bitterness can also represent frustration. That when you, the Kahas the, the, the Jew is like the Tzaddik. The Gershom, he's like the Benoni. He's trying hard, it's hard. He has to drive away the Eitzahara, but he succeeds. I mean, it's, it's hard, he has to keep pushing him away, but he succeeds. The Marur is the one who fails. It's bitter. Now, when you fail, there could be two things, though. Very interesting. When you fail, what are, what's one reaction you could have? Keep trying. Oh, okay, that, that's, that's a good one. What else? That you can get out. You can yeah, break. Yeah, but what, what, what's the normal reaction? Yeah. What? You give up. You give up. And then you become apathetic. He said, I, I failed so many times. It's not for me. Finished. Gone. But sometimes, and the Baal Atanya talks a lot about this, 
If a person makes a cheshman on nefesh, and sometimes he sees he's a real failure, and he's in a lot of pain, but he will not fall to it. In other words, is that there's a very fine line between a person breaking himself and falling into depression. It's a very fine line. When we talk about making cheshbon nefesh, and at the end of the day, looking over the day, there's a fine line between saying, okay, I've done this wrong, I have failed, I am broken. But you say, I am broken, but it doesn't mean I can't start again. You don't get to And lose. I don't allow that, to, but, but I'm very frustrated. I'm very frustrated, but that frustration will say, but I'm not happy with that state. And that's why the same idea when we talk about on the, at, on the Pesach night, when you eat the moror, the Allah is if you swallow the moror whole, you don't fulfill the mitzvah. You gotta chew it, why? Because if you swallow it, you don't feel the pain. If a person feels the pain of failure, now, what a lot of people do if they fail, they get to addictions. They'll start taking drugs. They'll, they'll get drunk. Why? Because you don't want to feel the pain. The pain is too terrible to bear. When you fail in Yiddishkeit, so what do you do? You try to distract yourself. You can watch Netflix all night. You can take drugs. You can get drunk. You can, do all, you can fool around. You can do all kinds of things, but just, I don't want to feel the pain anymore. Or you can feel the pain and say, but I'm still going to carry on. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let that pain say, this is not a good place, and I don't wanna be in this place, and it's gonna be awfully hard. I'm broken, but I want, as Rab Nachman says, that whatever you have, just as much as you can believe you can break things, you have to believe you can repair things. If you're able to break something, you should be able to repair it. To have that broken feeling, but still to say, and I'm ashamed of myself, but I can, I'm alive, Every moment's a new moment. I can change, and now I, I can I can change it all around. And th- that disappointment and lack of contentment sometimes forces a person to find new horizons in their life. If you fail and you're content, in other words, Marari is the failure who's bitter over the failure, not uh, uh, numbed out of it. He feels the pain. If you still feel the pain, that's a good uh, thing. That reminds me of a Star Trek, one of the full-length Star Treks. If you, if you, if you know, if you watch it, you know. If you don't, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But hey, when Cybok uh, commandeered the spaceship Enterprise, okay, and Cybok, the basic, the basic thing was like this: he kept telling people to um, like share your pain. I don't know, and, and and you get rid of the pain, and everything's fine. That was the idea. I can take away your pain. He had some mystical power. Share your pain with me. You'll see you'll feel better. So this is the classic line of the movie. So Captain Kirk, the guy's trying to tell him, share your pain, your pain. He says, no, I need my pain. I have to have my pain. It's human to feel pain. And when you feel the pain, that will move you to change and not stay in that situation. And that's such a good I hear from that movie. It's mom is so practical even today. Everybody is like, just get rid of my pain. I can't live with my pain. I don't want to have Marari. Marari, for all the failures, he at least he is Marari. He feels pain. And that itself, he will lift himself up by himself. You don't have to say no so. When you feel that pain, you want to feel lost. You know, it's like this, this story I heard this week. It's like, it's, I've been saying it in every class. It's so, so disturbing. This, the whole society today is that I just don't want to have any pain. Now, that, only, that you only can have a law of assisted suicide if people don't want to have pain. The whole definition is pain or not pain. We know that the Torah says three things come with pain. Right? Eretz Yisrael, Oilam Haba, Torah, all these things come with pain. How do you expect to get them without pain? And people don't want to have any more pain anymore. 
So, so I was told that last week someone in Thornhill, a not religious person, a Reformed Jew in Thornhill, who had, who had religious cousins, and he was diagnosed, he was having trouble with his eyesight, and he was told, you're going blind. There's nothing we could do. You're gonna become fully blind over a certain amount of time. He was not yet blind. So I told the doctor, if that's the case, give me the injection and put me away now. And they injected him and they killed him. All paid by our tax dollars. And he had religious cousins who were besides themselves. How they can, how they, I don't know who the person was. I only know some of the relatives. But I'm just saying, so, so what, what was the, but don't you realize, you know, as a blind person, life's not over. You go, you go into Israel. Would you ever see that when you went to Israel? The, the, the blind museum. Um, I never was there, but my wife told me she went twice. It's unbelievable how these people can like just take control of their lives under that situation. So we have that status of Marari. So if you're so therefore, and living a Torah life can be very much either what can be kahas. It could be Gershon, it could be Marori. But guess what? They equally carry the things that make the base of And if you think about it, who carries the foundation? Who carries the boards? Who carries the sockets? The sockets is mamish the foundation. It's Marori. Because the one who feels the pain of, 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 of not succeeding, he is the one that can turn around and be the foundation for everybody. And that's why you don't have to lift him up. If he already feels that pain, he will make that trajectory, make that change. And I think after, after Shavuos, this becomes the real message. That of course, we're looking forward to, we can become a kahas. If we really excel, we can be a kahas. And there's no greater feeling than feeling that you're carrying the Torah. But if not, you're going to live challenging with the Yetzirah. You have to hide behind the cloths. But it also, it's part of the base of, it's also part of the Mishkan. And if you're a total failure, but you at least feel bad about it, and one without the other does not create a base of English. That's why you have to have all three. So somewhere in that uh, continuum, we are there. And each of us can have a way of success in that area. Okay, that's your question. Questions, comments? I said as long that you don't have the